Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of Wannabe Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hi, Jess. I'm Craig Campbell. Uh, I am the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I make some of those tabletop games, too, um, specifically role-playing games. Um and uh, we've got a, a, another little announcement, something to expand on our last week's announcement, Jess. What is that? Yeah, we sure do. As we announced mm-hmm. last week, we're coming up on episode 100 of our podcast. I cannot believe it. That's a lot of <laughs> hours of RPG R&D content. And we have two special guests for that wonderful Q&A episode. We are bringing back some favorites, Starshine and Liana, to come answer to ARQs, as Craig keeps saying. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be recording that on July 1st. So if you have questions, you're going to want to get your questions in by then so we can answer them. Yeah, and you can send those questions to nerdburgergames at gmail.com and include the subject line RPG, R&D, questions or episode 100 or something like that and then i will pile those off to the side and we will compile them as we get close and see what all people want to ask uh, questions about um there you go yeah and we are help us out yeah we're really excited for it it's 100 100 big news 100 as as uh they would say up in wisconsin where i'm from and actually jess you're from up in the midwest as well that would be pronounced 100 100 (laughs) the <laughs> episode 100 uh well we also have our current episode to cover today craig craig oh you want to introduce our guest for today sure uh you you know him you love him he's back ben hi ben hello it's me i'm ben i also <laughs> also make tabletop rpgs uh my original one is a lightning war the fantasy world world war ii thing uh, and just this past February, I did a free, super unofficial John Wick RPG called Murder Ballet. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah, it, I, I can't claim credit for it. It was how my friend Nathan pitched the movies to me. And, <laughs> yeah, so. It's really interesting that, like, that's the way it was pitched because John Wick 4, there's, like, a significant amount of ballet in it. And I don't remember there being that much actual ballet in the other ones. No, he said it was more about like the cinematography and the choreography. No, um, I I know. I was just thinking so, it's really funny. There's like a whole yeah. ballet. Yeah, I remember thing. there was like actual there was actual ballet in the yeah. third movie, I think, but I haven't seen it in a minute. So. Mm-hmm. If you make yeah. enough if you make enough movies and you don't want to get repetitive, you kind of have to do a lot of different subject matter. Yeah. So <laughs> like eventually you're going to get around to, you know, uh, Irish step dancing and you're going to get around to <laughs> it's the natural <laughs> order of things <laughs> like, you know, what else can we what other movement based stuff can we have oh <laughs> uh, we're well we're not talking about movement and belly today we're talking about turn-based initiative today a a, a topic that apparently is a passion of Ben's Ben yes. why did you choose this topic so I chose this topic because Initiative systems are one of the first things I like to tinker with when I start designing a new system. Uh, One of the fundamental articles I read like very, very early on when I was first getting into studying game design uh, was an article by Mark Rosewater, um, who 
was talking about 10 things that every game needs. And uh, one of the big points on that list was uh, interactivity between players. Um, and he argued, you know, that was one of the reasons for instant cards and magic. It gave you a reason to pay attention during the other players' turns because you were sitting there waiting for a chance to use that instant card you had saved up. Uh, and as a result, you're still engaged with the game and paying attention even when it's not your turn. And in tabletop RPGs in particular, there is a strong tendency where like, uh, you know, your turn comes up, you do your thing, and then you look at your phone for the next like five minutes while everyone else is doing their turns. And for me, finding ways to get that kind of like, you know, instant mechanics or the reactions or the interrupts and stuff like that, or just having a less predictable turn order is a really important way for me to keep players more engaged during the game. I've often found that, especially in games where a turn, especially it's usually in combat. There's not mm -hmm. like in D&D, there's no turn-based rules for any time that you're not in combat. And sometimes those combat rounds can be so long. Mm -hmm. like, like amazingly like stupefyingly long and you're sitting there like you said with really nothing to do as a player and it's a really easy way to make somebody especially somebody who's there for the role play and not necessarily for the combat or maybe they have a character that's not like great in combat um or like is like a you're not the fighter you're not like making two swings three swings per turn you're not doing all this crazy acrobatic stuff you're just sitting there and thinking, and maybe that's going to get boring and actually make you not want to come back to the game at all. A game that you might otherwise find kind of fun. I think it's it's interesting that you also brought out, like, for Magic, Magic cards, because it's the same company. You'd think mm -hmm. that maybe there'd be a little bit more tinkering with, uh, I don't know, are there, like, rule? are there any moves now in D&D &D where that you can interrupt somebody's turn? I don't, I'm not mm -hmm. super familiar. There's not enough. Uh they're there, but you have to, um, like certain classes have more of them than others. And you oftentimes have to purchase them. Like you have to decide that I'm going to build a character that does that and take the right abilities and spells and whatnot to be able to do it. There's, there's some that are built in here and there, but yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a focus. I, I just never, I never thought it made sense. Like, oh, we're a, a turn is six seconds and we're all. This, it's like in the movies where like the the hero is there and one by one the masked ninjas come in <laughs> instead of everyone swarming as a group. But like that's always what it's felt like me like to me. Uh, <laughs> so I'm with you, Ben. I, that's also one of the things that I like to tinker with when I run a game that does have a turn-based initiative system. And so like a very fun kind of tangent there. Uh, I think this started the last time you had me as a guest star, and it's only gotten worse. But I've gotten into old school D and D. <laughs> just because of it's designed around like such different design principles. And one of the mechanics there is it uses team initiative, uh, but you re-roll initiative every round. So there's a chance that like the enemies might get to go twice in a row. There's a chance you might get to go twice in a row, um, but you're only doing two dice rolls, one for the party, one for the enemies. So re-rolling initiative every round is not that big a deal. Uh, one of the, things I remember hearing at a convention is uh, 
when you're playing like a video game RPG and it does the whole transition from adventuring to turn-based combat, it's literally just like a cheesy, you know, Windows Movie Maker transition and then you're in the battle. Um, <laughs> when you have to roll initiative in D&D, it's like a two to five minute loading screen. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what what do you do in the old school D&D where, like, if it's a team initiative, how are there rules to determine who goes first within the team? So there are um, extremely vague rules, actually. Uh, I've never encountered any old school system that kind of handles it the same way uh, because all of them have sort of different interpretations of these, like, arcane old school D&D rules. Mm. Um at this point, D&D was still like very, very wargamey. And so it had a very wargamey um, order of actions. Like uh, it would be everybody moves. And then if anybody was making ranged attacks, those would be next. And then if every, if anyone was making melee attacks, those would be after the ranged attacks. And if anyone was casting spells, those would trigger after the melee attacks. Um, and then anything else you were doing happened after the spell casting. Um, I've never actually met anyone who runs it that way. They usually run it more like modern D&D, where it's like, you do your entire turn, then you do your entire turn. But um, uh, according to the rules as written, that is the way <laughs> you're supposed to do it. That, that's, it, it. It's just, it's so interesting to me. The wargaming stuff, too. Uh, unlike in D&D, though, like where you, if you're attacking, you're rolling a die against somebody's static number you they're not doing anything there's no way there's no like agency in the defense aspect in D&D but in wargaming usually you are rolling dice for defense like the the attacker will probably roll some dice and you will probably roll some dice like you are doing something and you have to like really think about strategy and the way they're positioned on the map might change uh, it's just something that I don't think translates really well to a game if like a lot of people don't play D&D with maps you know, they don't care. It's all theater of the mind. I don't think that that idea of like, oh, you really have to think about what's going to happen next translates very well when the numbers aren't as important. Like there, I feel like there's a trend in in modern day gaming where the numbers and the maps and the, the precision doesn't matter as much as the theatrics of it. But yet we still hold on to this like, you go, then I go, then you go, then I go kind of. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> and yeah, do you mind if I actually pivot to the complete opposite extreme, one of my favorite initiative systems? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that feels like a... So this is the unofficial Reddit Dark Souls RPG by Emmanuel Galetto. Uh, this came out like a few months before the actual like fifth edition D&D based Dark Souls RPG. But first, speaking to that theater of the mind bit, the way combat works in this Dark Souls RPG is it is designed from the ground up for theater of the mind, mm. which is really kind of surprising for a game based on where like positioning and timing and everything is so important. Right. But the way the game handles it is um, there are three sort of rings that you visualize combat happening in. There is the forward ring, which is where the characters who are going all in super aggressive are located. There's the 
there's the defensive ring where the character where basically most people usually are and then there's the um the back ring uh if nobody is in the aggressive ring then characters from the back ring get pulled into the defensive ring so there has to be someone up front tanking or else your casters can't sit in the back and throw spells from a safe distance but it lets you get this kind of there's still strategic positioning and everything but it's done in a very theater of the mind friendly way because you're going to be in one of these three places uh but the way it does initiative is there is no initiative uh every player rolls dice equal to their stamina stat and uh you spend those dice to take actions the catch is you can only spend dice on rounds less than or equal to the number on the die so oh yeah like most characters get like three stamina dice you roll like a one two and a five um you know that one means you can act in the first round before anyone else gets to act but uh you're not going to be able to use that five until way later in the combat and you have to okay. plan your, the whole sequence around that uh, and then, you know, once you get to uh, round six, everybody re-rolls their stamina die, you get everything back, and you do another, like, turn sequence thing. But it sounds super complicated and everything, but when you actually, like, play the RPG, I ran a one-shot of it, combat went so fast. It was such, like, once you actually see it in play, it's such a quick and intuitive way of doing things. And everyone is engaged the whole time because they're waiting for a chance that, you know, they're waiting for like, okay, I've got like a bunch of twos. That second round comes up. I'm going to be doing all this stuff. Sure. Um, just, yeah. just having where you're going to act in combat at multiple points varying from round to round is, is a great impetus to just pay attention and really be engaged and keep track of what's going on rather than, you know, the typical, initiative we were talking about where you like you go and it's like okay and now i don't get to go again until everybody else has gone right and Whereas one of the mechanics when you know you can go again in like two or three turns yeah and, and plus one of the other things that system had was a create an advantage action kind of like a powered by the apocalypse kind of thing that let you change one of your dice or one of your allies dice to a different number oh that's fun yeah, because then you get like this whole teamwork aspect of it because you're like, hey, look, I got a one, but I'm going to change your six to a two so that you can go right after me. And you get into all that kind of strategy. How how can we as GMs, um, I, I feel like a lot of this has to do with like homebrewing. And I, I feel like that's where a lot of people do get their start in um, becoming a game, a game designer. Like, oh, this part is boring and I want to change it. How can we get players on board with a more complex initiative system or even a game where you're not doing these turn-based things that people are used to a lot of people grew up in that kind of system or they come from like a jrpg where it's also turn-based mm -hmm. i've found when i've run games for people who are used to a more traditional quote-unquote style of role-playing games when we play something like powered by the apocalypse or we play something with a, a much more like i don't know loose kind of system of initiative they get a little confused they freeze up more they kind of um find themselves drifting back into the you go then i go system how can we encourage that more um 
the less I don't want to call it less traditional because I really don't think that that's necessarily the case, but like the, the less turn based kind of initiative. So I feel like a good kind of introduction to less turn based stuff is a house rule for initiative in D&D type games that I actually learned at conventions uh, called popcorn initiative, where uh, you everybody rolls initiative. Whoever has the highest initiative goes first and then picks who goes next. And, you know, ultimately, like you're still kind of doing the whole like you go, then I go thing. But it gets players into this habit of creating space for other players to jump in. And it kind of like almost like sort of conditions the group to like, you know, because eventually one player is going to have to give the GM a turn. And you can kind of metagame it and like make the GM go last so that all the enemies go last, but, uh, or you could not. And, you know, and, but what it does is it kind of starts training players to sort of create space and create openings for each other to like participate in the fiction because it's, I do this thing and then, hey, character B, what are you going to do? so I feel like switching to like that kind of initiative system, especially if you're still playing D&D, is a very good on-ramp into that kind of Powered by the Apocalypse freeform, anyone can jump in whenever kind of play. That's my favorite kind of initiative system that's like a little bit more turn-based. I love the popcorn system. Um, the way that I've seen it done in some games as well is when you nominate the last person in the round, they can nominate themselves to be first in the last. So they get two in a row. So if you wait for the GM to be last, they're going twice in a row and they're going to kick your ass. And, <laughs> uh, but maybe you will, maybe you have a strategy where you're trying to like put them at a disadvantage before the end, or you're trying to kill them before the end. I feel like it does help a lot more of that. Like I've seen it happen. It happens with me too. Like I have to use my my turn now to react to what you're doing, and I I feel like it's way more dynamic. I love that system. I would I second Ben's recommendation. Add that to your D and D game. Um. Yeah. I mean, I used essentially that with good strong hands. It's all about you go and then you tell the next person to who, who to go. And the idea was to set up like I'm going to do this thing that's going to set up you to do something cool. Right. Because I push, I push the bad guy into the, you know, into the pit and you're down in the pit. Now get him. <laughs> it's so much more dynamic. It feels more movie-esque, in my opinion, more cinematic. And that sort of thing can be done pretty, pretty easily, like with the way Ben described it, where it's just the whoever gets the first, in it, you know, gets the highest roll goes first. And you can re-roll each round and it doesn't take terribly long because you're just worrying about the, who the first person is. You're not resetting everybody's order because you're going to determine it as you go. Um, a thought I had was, and this is like, this is going to be one of those GM, um, discussion portions that is basically a design portion too, because we're really just house ruling ways you can shake things up was, uh, an idea that I, that I kind of brainstormed when I was thinking about all of this was, um, where your stats still mean something, um, is like an auction or bidding initiative mm-hmm. where the higher, higher your dexterity or speed or whatever is you get a certain number of points. Um, and if your speed or dexterity or whatever it is you're using is lower, you get a, a smaller number of points. And then on each round, you have those points to spend. And the GM says, okay, who goes on a one? And somebody can just spend one or, or who goes on a one? Well, they have to go reverse. Like you start with like what, what the maximum number of points are. Somebody, the most anybody can have is five. You say, okay, who goes on a five? 
Well, you know, if somebody wants to spend all five of their points and go first, they can, but they don't have anything left over. Um, and then you work your way down and everybody just kind of bids their points out. And if you save any points, like for every two points you save, you get an extra point next round mm. or something. Um, and you could also, if the game allows for that sort of thing, um, and you, it's one of those things you kind of have to let it happen to in, in some respect for the the players and for the the adversaries is you could, those points could be for interrupting and doing things too. Like, like you could define a series of minor actions. Like Ben was talking about the instant spells in magic where, you know, here's a list of things, you know, 10 things that you can do by just interrupting at any given moment, like, which includes like casting a cantrip or casting a first level spell, or might include like doing a, uh, you know, like a physical attack, not a, not a, a, like damaging attack, but like I can trip somebody and knock them down. Like I can, like you're about, Ben, you're about to attack somebody. You really need to hit them. I'm going to bid a couple points and I'm going to make a strength check and just push them to the ground. So now you've got advantage on your attack. And I had to bid, you know, I had to bid or, or, or spend one of those bid, one of those points to be able to do that. But I have, in order to do it, I have to save it. So I can't go first. Right. I can't blow all my points to go first. Um, and then, it, and then you're rewarded if you hang on to points. Um, if you, you know, you can translate them into additional points for the next round, but that, that's just a potential that gets a little more complex, but it makes everybody paying, you know, everybody's going to be paying attention to exactly what's going on. If there's, is, is, you know, if they're sitting on any points to do those little interrupting actions, um, or they're deciding, I'm just going to like, I'm going to hang back here and I'm going to go last. So I'm only going to spend one point when we get there, I might blow an interrupt, but I'm really wanting to try to save up points so I can have a big, so I can go super fast next round or, or get two attacks or whatever it is that you allow in the system. Like there's different ways you can spend those points. As long as the points aren't too, you know, there aren't too many of them. It doesn't become a bookkeeping headache. Um, you know, that's a way to do it. And you, if you do allow additional attacks, it could conceivably just shorten the number of rounds to get through the combat any, which any, uh, anyway, um, is, you know, so it'll, it'll, you'll still do as mm, everybody will get the same number of attacks that they would have, if it would have just gone in a different order and maybe taken longer and like redoing this and redoing that. I just, you know, it just shakes it all up. That is in no way, shape or form designed. Well, <laughs> like that, that needs to be written up, kind of figured out and play tested and maybe tweaked as you go. That's a thought. Yeah, I'm already thinking like maybe combining with the Dark Souls thing a little bit, maybe like the points like, you know, okay, you have a three, a two and a one, but like the fast character has like a six, a five and a three. Uh, and, you know, the the value on the point is also like when it when you can spend it or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think if all of this is sounding too complicated for you or something that your D&D group is never going to say yes to, I think that there are two like the popcorn solutions, great, easy, fast solution for this. Um, I think also Ben had mentioned this too, making all of the enemies just have one initiative. It is a pain in your ass to have to roll for every single little kobold on your map. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do that to yourself. At least group up all the kobolds, like do that one thing for yourself. It's called self-care. And then <laughs> the third thing, the third thing you can do is have everybody re-roll initiative at the top of the turn. It does add a little bit more dynamism, but it also is a little harder to track. But those are three things that kind of fit. It's a nice little gateway to like squeeze in something a little weirder with your D&D group. Um, another, I just wanted to. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, good. So another convention hack uh, from the 
organized play community is at the very beginning of the session, you do three to five initiative roles. And the GM goes ahead and has the initiative orders figured out so that when you get to combat, it's just like, okay, you go first and you can jump straight into it. Sure. Uh, you spend a little more time up front mm -hmm. and then you don't have to break. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here's a, here's a, 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 I was, I was thinking maybe you were going to go this direction. Here's another way too, is like, like we, the GM knows, ah, this is a fight that might take five rounds, might take less, but five rounds probably does it. Everybody roll initiative five times, write those numbers down. First round, who goes, who's got a high number they want to go. And like, and you just like, you can oh, decide, good. I want to, I want to blow my high numbers and go quickly in these first couple of rounds. And then I suffer later. Um, you know, that's the same as like any game where you can, you know, uh, uh, roll something multiple times or, or draw cards and keep a hand. And, but you know, you have to spend those, like there's a, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to spend your crappy roll. Right. <laughs> um, so when, when do you do it? Do you suck it up and take it now? Um, or do you, you put it off for as, as long as you possibly can? And every player is going to have a different attitude about that. Right. So you, you've been GMing, you've, you've started messing around with your initiative system. You found that you really like messing with the rules and then you start finding other things you want to change. And lo and behold, you're writing an entirely new system. I'm sure this has never happened to any of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's transition to the design side of initiative, um, initiative systems. Uh, I know we've already really been talking about this. These are all design ideas for your game. Um, I'm I'm curious about uh, the fun initiative systems we have either seen in design or that we were planning on designing or that we have designed. Can I can I set the set the stage for it with uh, something? Um, I I I approach this the same way I approach a lot of the mechanics, um, and you know I I've not necessarily done uh, done it terribly well with initiatives. I've got games that I've designed where the initiative system is very simple, and I didn't really give them a great deal of thought. But I've been trying to kind of be more thoughtful about it um, in the last few years. And, you know, just like with any part of the mechanics, like what is it you want the initiative system to do? Is it just assign an order? That's all you want. That's all you care about. It just like gets everybody in an order so that everybody knows whose turn it is and when their next, when their next turn's coming, you know, do you want to use it to support a theme? like um you know a thematic element like ben was talking about with um where you you know the popcorn thing where somebody goes and then they decide who goes next and that becomes like that that changes how combat and, and those action sequences work thematically um do you want to provide a system that provides maximum versatility that means more complexity um and you know and where's the where's the line where you cross into too complex um and potentially um, confusing people, you know, that's something that you can think about, um, when you, before you design initiative, are you providing a strict set of rules that are intended to be solved like a math problem? You know, if you have the, the rules set up in a certain way with certain ways to spend points and use interrupts and delay actions and all that sort of thing, like that becomes like a little metagame, like deciding when you're going to go and how you're going to interrupt and how you're going to do things is a puzzle. Um, that you can solve as you play. And some people really just like picking apart the puzzles that games provide. Um, and uh, one of the things too, like with the uh, the fast fast action, slow action that you see with like um, Shadow, uh, 
Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah, I, I was hoping that someone would bring it up. It was on my list. That puts a focus on the characters. Like it's, everybody chooses to take a fast action or a slow action. Characters always go first. So the fast characters go, then the fast villains foes then the slow characters go and then the slow foes um so the characters are always going to start the fight um unless you know there's maybe like one thing that they had to react to that kicked the fight off but once everything's going once initiative is happening there's always going to be probably if as long as somebody takes fast <laughs> there's going to be a character that's going to set the, you know set the set the tone have the first action um and that flavors the game in a certain way when it favors the characters like that or gives you the opportunity to favor it. So those are all just, you know, some of the things that you can think about. And so I guess, you know, the things that we've designed or other things, other systems that people that have designed that we are, are familiar with and we want to talk about, like we can kind of think about those in those terms as well. Yeah. I liked Shadow of the Demon Lords initiative system so much. I shamelessly borrowed and tweaked <laughs> it a little bit for lightning war. It's a relatively easy one to just co-opt into mm -hmm. a lot of different types of games. Just have to figure out what the difference is between fast and slow actions. Right. In your game. So you were talking about theme, like the way you could use initiative to reinforce a theme though. And uh, in murder ballet to get that <laughs> kind of John Wick feel, uh, there is a fixed initiative order of rivals. You're like, you know, bot, mini boss, boss enemies, then the players, then the enemies, then your allies. Um, because when you're watching the movies, like John Wick always gets the drop on the enemies. But whenever like another assassin shows up or like one of the like mini boss, like big henchman kind of characters, they always somehow get the drop on John. <laughs> so to kind of reinforce that theme, it's like, okay, yeah. The players are always going to get to go before the enemies and they're just going to get to like clean house. Uh, but if there's a boss enemy, that enemy is always going to get to go before the players. That And that tells a story that tell mm -hmm. just like in the movies that tells you the, the story of this person, this foe is significant. Exactly. This one is yeah. no joke. You have to be worried about this one. Yeah. So and you don't have to pause <laughs> the game to roll initiative. The action just keeps flowing. <laughs> yeah that that's good especially in in a game that is supposed to be like john wick not pausing the action to get within the combat scenes because that's how the move that's how the action movies work it's just action like there's no real there's no real transition between ah he's there and ah now he's fighting it doesn't happen like that um i think that that's a really good way to to do it and i think that does really really and reinforce the theme very well Plus, one of, one of the other things is that uh, your biggest enemy as a game designer is action economy, because the players are probably going to nuke your boss anyways, like wh whether they like, so you might as well let the boss do something cool first, you know? Like, no, for sure. I mean, that's always the, the thing that I hate the most. Like you have this really cool boss fight set up and then all of the players go first and they're like, oh, well, uh -uh, great cool my guy is dead all this the cool stuff i had planned is now shot and there was no purpose really in this combat at all we could have just narrated this i agree um i i also like um i like initiative systems that reinforce a theme of control 
like in, in destiny or lack thereof. I really like um, games that have that as a central theme. And then within their initiative mechanics, they have a way for the players to seize the initiative at any point in time. Um, they're, I, I really enjoy people being able to do that. Usually it includes some sort of sacrifice. Like you get three turns, but if you take two of your turns, you can take your turn whenever you want to. Um, it puts you at a slight disadvantage, but you can go now. You can do the thing to save your friends. You can do the thing to have the cool moment because this is about the characters doing cool things. It's not about things happening to the characters. Um, I've seen... Uh, my favorite way to seize initiative in a game comes from a game where uh, I've talked about the game a couple of times. I really like the way the initiative system works. It's called Clockwork Dominion. Everyone has some cards laid out on the table in front of them based on a couple of different factors. Some people will get four in a social situation instead or four in a combat situation. It's usually between like two and four, I think. Um, but when you want to seize the initiative, you can flip over any two of your cards Um you literally flip it over. Whoever flips their cards over first, the player who really wants to go, that ma they matter. Uh, I liked that a lot. Very visual way to represent. Like I'm doing something now, um, but that also puts you at a disadvantage. And if you have a certain kind of card in your initiative order, bad things or really good things could happen. Um, I, I I love a seize initiative. I like to take advantage of it too. Um, ben, ben talking about John Wick and how and theming it for like John Wick style fights got me thinking about like what are some of the classic fight types that you see in very action heavy movies and just mentioned you know the everybody surrounds the hero or heroes and they just circle and wait and um, you know there's the hallway fight. Um, where you're trying to get to the end of the hallway. There's a reason to get down there as quickly as you possible, possibly can, but you, you're, you know, for the purposes of the storytelling, you can't just run down there. You have to fight your way down there and push the foes back and get past people and knock them out and all this sort of thing. Um, there's the, the multi-level stuff that you see with like Jackie Chan movies and other similar movies. Like you could have slight variations of your initiative system and the combat system it's, you know, mechanics it, it themselves just to um, to reflect those types of like fight trope situations, you know, um, you have to figure out like how that how that works for each one, like with the, everybody circling, probably that means like initiative goes everybody circle, 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 and then one baddie jumps in and takes a swing and now everybody gets to go. Um, and you know, and then you might, you might have mechanics that have to do with like, well, how you throw one baddie into another, or how you throw one through a window. So they're out of the fight, um, because they're no longer in the circle. Like any, any baddie that gets thrown out of the circle is out of the fight in some way. Um, and you can do, you know, just like different variations that, that mimic those sorts of things. And it, you have your base initiative and just like every one of every different type of fight has like one house rule or not house rule, but like one different rule that kind of colors that fight style. Yeah. To the interactivity element, I'm thinking about the Assassin's Creed games and how so much of the combat system in that game is about like the counterattacks and the timing element there and going all the way back to like the reaction conversation. I'm just thinking like, um, you know, 
like in that same kind of way like you know what if you just like you know designed like what what if D characters just could like take their reaction whenever they wanted like uh you know like the enemy attacks and you're like okay this is the hit that i'm gonna counter attack on like something like that um yeah to just add that kind of extra level of interactivity and dynamism in there i was thinking about assassin's creed because in the games like the enemies circle around you and take turns attacking just like you were talking about Craig but um yeah like uh and another example of like the, the genre specific initiative systems this one's from a board game not a uh, RPG but uh the X-Wing miniatures game uh I played the hell out of that game when I was oh, a kid yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I know it, it's awesome um but so the way that game works is every pilot has a pilot skill and the ships move from lowest pilot skill to highest pilot skill, which means you, the player, have to move based on where all of the ships currently are. Uh, but then when you get to the combat phase, they shoot from highest pilot skill to lowest pilot skill. So the best pilots move last but shoot first which means, you know, as the player, you have to anticipate where people are going to be in order to move the ship effectively. So you yourself have to kind of be able to strategize a little bit more. Um, but then, you know, you get to just blast people. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the thing about running the lower pilot skill ships is like, yeah, you have someone who gets to move first and you can deliberately put them in people's way and things like that. But um, since you're having to move based on where everyone currently is, it's like, ah, man, I really need to be there, but there's still a ship there, so I can't do that move. Um, and I've always been really curious about, like, how, how could that make its way into a tabletop RPG? Like, how, how could we make that work? And that that's an, it creates an interesting kind of situation for players with different pilots you know, pilot skills is that the person who goes first um, has to anticipate, as you said, but they're um, then everybody else moves. And now the whole battlefield has changed. So they've got to rethink, like, how am I going to deal with this? But they've got the longest amount of time to make those decisions because they're going to be going last. Whereas the person who moved last because of the highest pilot skill gets knows already knows what the layout is, moves their ship to where they want to be to to do the cool attack or to do the, the maneuver or whatever it is. And then they don't have to really think about it too much because they've already absorbed all that information during the course of everybody's movement. So it actually like it it allows it 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 doesn't screw you as bad being the slow one. You know, mm -hmm. like you have you do end up going last, but you do get plenty of time to figure out what you're gonna do based on the the battlefield changing. I really like that. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun idea. And one of the other things about that game is that um, the moves your ships are doing are secret information. You decide, you pick your move, you put a dial face down, and then you reveal them in order of like lowest to highest and everything. So uh, for that best pilot, you know, you've already decided what your move is, and you just have to hope that nobody gets in your way. <laughs> so again like i feel like minis games are a good way if you want a very strategic kind of combat you gotta be looking to mini games you mm -hmm. can't miniatures games you can't be looking toward other rpgs uh, you gotta you gotta steal ideas from the the experts <laughs> in the field i feel like HeroScape does um does a system where you have like four little 
cardboard things with numbers on them. One of them has nothing written on it. And then there's three, two, one, I think I'm not like super familiar with the game. I just played it pretty recently. Um, and then you set those on your, on your units um, based on what order you're going to go in. Um, and it's secret to the other person. Um, so like, there's a lot of strategizing you do within the game. Um, and then you, everyone reveals like, okay, who's going first, but you only reveal it when they go, which is very, very much like a fog of war kind of idea. Like you don't know when someone's going to move until they do. Um, I liked that in that game as well. Um, and like I said, with minis games too, like there's a lot of stuff that you can do on the other person's turn. Like reactions are important. Uh, I think adding into your initiative system, a reaction move, a reaction initiative, or maybe like a certain amount of reactions you could have per turn or however you want to do it. I think that that's a good way to keep people engaged in the game. Um, as is like empowered by the apocalypse games, there's not really an initiative system. You react to what is happening within the game. So it's about kind of legitimacy it rather than like a mechanic it's kind of about like the the narrative legitimacy of the who gets to go you are really far away from this thing that's happening of course you're not gonna go next it's gonna be the person who is being impacted by this hard move that the that the gm is taking um and i think that works out really well too because the dm the gm isn't rolling anything either they're not it's another thing i i I could go on forever about is whether or not the GM should ever be rolling dice. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I feel like that taking maybe some themes from, from there um, as far as a more nebulous rather than a crunchier system um, writing in some rules of like, okay, what, what's a legitimate reaction when, when is it legitimate to take a move um, that? I feel like that requires more buy-in from the players than a really complex mechanic system with a lot of really spelled out rules. But I, I, I really like those kinds of systems. Um, and I think that they, those work as well, even in games where combat is not necessarily a focus. Maybe it's all like social drama or like adventure style exploration. Um, I think that that works way better than uh, like, here are the exact nitty gritty rules. Yeah, it's almost like the blades in the dark like flashback thing at that point where it's like uh and then this bad thing happens and the thief is like nope i have this reaction thing that says no it doesn't i get out of the way in time like yeah uh you can also use those reactions to sort of emphasize things in the fiction that like characters should be able to do it, it's the magic the gathering counter spell thing uh gm says this bad thing happens and you get to go nah for whichever reason your character finds appropriate <laughs> or just hitting on like a couple of things that people have said um for for good strong hands um i already described how like you know the, the first character goes and then that player decides who goes next and ben made the comment well like at some point somebody has to pick the gm or the bad guys to go next well in good strong hands you never pick the gm um you don't have to because the GM doesn't get a turn. The adversaries um, and as well as like environmental situations and things like that function happen in conjunction with each individual character's turn. So if I go first and I say, okay, Jess, now you go, um, the GM at that point decides, okay, there's one creature that's threatening Jess's character. 
do that 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 creature is going to get in a, a, their action now do they go before Jess or do they go after Jess? And when the GM decides to have characters go and they're completely free to change it up from round to round, from character to character, from situation to situation, determine kind of colors how difficult the fight's going to be. Because if the GM is consistently having the foes go before the character, there's a possibility that the character is going to get knocked out of the fight before they get their turn. So it's potentially more deadly and more dangerous. If the character, if the if the foes are always going afterwards, this is more like, okay, this is going to be the opportunity for the players to shine more. They're going to take stuff out before it really gets to do too much. Um, and you and you ha- and you resolve all those things. Like if um if the you know if the character is in a, a zone an area where rocks are falling, like I have to that's part of what's happening too. I have to resolve. We have to have you make a, a body check a body reaction check to dodge any falling rocks and see if you get hurt that way. And then you take your turn because now you've managed to keep yourself safe from the rocks. Um, and so like, there's a lot of different ways that you can, um, you know, design a, a initiative system that doesn't rely on numbers at all that, um, that changes and shakes things up consistently as far as character turn order that allows the GM to do all sorts of different things. Um, and, and, you know, and Jess knows this and I'm, I'm also just throwing this out there because the GM doesn't roll any dice. Um, because, and Jess is a big fan of that. Um, so it's just like the, the, you know, the GM is just deciding, okay, this is when the, you know, the, the trickster is going to try to tie your shoelaces together, um, before or after <laughs> you decide to run away. Um, uh, you know, in, in good, strong hands. So um, there you go. I just, I'm, I'm particularly proud of that particular kind of system for, cause it, it's, it's very narrative oriented. It allows the players to kind of decide the order that everything comes in, but the GM can kind of throw curveballs at them. It's funny. Cause I'm on like the opposite end of the extremist Jess. It sounds like I, I, I like playing powered by the apocalypse games, but I can't stand running them because as the GM, I want to roll dice. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, that's part of the fun. Um, and so like, I always have a really hard time running systems that where it has a more passive GM like that, because even though like I'm the one deciding when, where, and how stuff happens, I want, I want to play with the dice too, you know? So. There's no one who's, you can always just roll the dice for the sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you like, if you like the ASMR of the dice, you just to do it. Just click, yeah. clicky clack. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you need to, to Ben's suggestion is uh, when you decide, whenever you need to make a decision as a GM, you can in your mind come up with two, two or three possibilities and assign them numbers on the dice and then roll the dice. I do that all the time. <laughs> okay, this, this, or this is going to happen. One, two, or three, four, or five through ten. Roll it up. I just <laughs> to satisfy your dice itch. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of people that yeah. love the shiny math rocks. Uh, so okay, I have been for the last many years thinking about how I want to design this game. I'm I'm talking like literally since before I released my first ever game with Alex. Um. I want to make a game that is reminiscent in one section of it is reminiscent of a MMORPG where it's not the player who has not the character who has initiative. It's moves that have cooldowns. I, the idea, I can't remember who brought it up. I think it was you, Ben, the idea of like having a number. Oh yeah. Cause it was from the Elden Ring one um, or the dark souls one. Um, 
where you have a move that happens on this turn, this turn, or this turn. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that um, for a move-based rather than a player-based initiative system. Um, I, I always liked that about playing WoW, that I would have a move that I could spam um, and then I'd have like a really, I'd have one of the cooldown just waiting for it before I hit my hotkey. I love that feeling. I want that <laughs> in a game that's about, literally about people playing in an MMORPG. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that there are, like Craig said too, picking an initiative system that really feels like the theme, really hits home on what you want to do. Uh, I think when, once you get that sweet spot, you're, you're golden. It's just kind of hard to find that sweet spot. And I think that's why also there's no really one right way to make an initiative system. There are going to be some games where a turn-based style, like if I were making a strict Final Fantasy, we are playing a JRPG kind of game, I'm going to do that kind of system. I'm going to have a you go, I go, you go, I go based on whatever our stat is. It's going to happen. Um, and I think that there is a time and place for that, even though I hate that in d I don't think it fits d d That's why I always change it. Um, yeah, it just, it, there's so many cool ways. And I think there are ways that people haven't even tried out yet. Like, I also use initiative systems when I'm a teacher. Like, okay, the person who's tallest goes first. Like, there's so <laughs> many, there's <laughs> so many ways to, like, kind of mess around with it. Um, and I, I think the I think the point I'm trying to make is that you should noodle around until you find something that fits for your game and then don't reuse that system for a game that's different. <laughs> I I'd literally do that something like that in Die Laughing. Although I if you ever read the book, I get a little snarky. Like the voice of the of the book is a little snarky. Um and I if I remember correctly, it's the because you have it's jamless game, so you have to decide who's gonna be the lead character first. And it's always the person who has seen a horror movie the most recently. Um, or you can roll off for it or just figure it out amongst yourselves. I'm not your mom. Like, just pick somebody. Um, but I, I do suggest that sort of thing where it's just like, you know, who's seen a horror movie most recently? Like, for, for, for an action movie, it could literally be, you know, whoever's uh, in this game session, whoever's seen uh, an action movie most recently. Um Gets to go first. Partial like... to the board game, <laughs> like the board game rule book, like whichever one of you owns the board game goes first. Yeah, so like, <laughs> there's yeah. An, that's Who a, bought the book. That's uh, a, that's a marketing marketing yeah. initiative. <laughs> hey, but yeah, I mean, to, to Jess's point though, like there are as many initiative systems as there are turn-based video games too. Uh, look to those for inspiration as well. Like I, I've, I've been thinking about. Um, to the Final Fantasy point, uh, what if players picked their actions and then rolled initiative mm. uh, as a system thing? And then at the same time, what if you had something like Bravely Default, where you can choose to skip your turn in order to get an extra action on your next turn and just kind of like accumulate actions for one big turn instead of a bunch of little turns? You know, stuff like that. Like. Ooh, that sounds what if, fun too. What if you have to yeah. declare your action first and then roll initiative, but you have a resource that you can earn points that allow you to change your action? Yeah, but you only have like so that, many yeah. of them. Like there's there's lots of interesting things you can do. Initiative is like wildly variable. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jess is talking about how you, you may not know what's what's the right system. The great thing about initiative systems is that they're usually they usually exist kind of outside of the other game mechanic. So you can you could literally play test it and have like every combat will just use a different initiative system and see what feels right. Or every game session will we'll, we'll do what, you know, all the all the fights in that one are going to have the same initiative, but we'll do like four, three sessions or four sessions and just try three or four different systems and then talk to the players and say, okay, what felt, what, what did, what, what did it feel like to use this initiative system? Is that appropriate to the game? Is that what we're going for? Oh my God. I just got another one. This would be great for something <laughs> like capers where you use like playing cards, but have like a dealer button, like in a poker game. And it's like, okay, whoever has the dealer button goes first in the next combat. And then at the end of that combat, you slide it to the next person at the table. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then, then you he... get the, the meta, like, we can't get in another fight because if we get in another fight, the GM is going to get the dealer button. <laughs> um, I would I would take it a step further to the dealer button and you could, you could, you could you know, honestly, you could have different versions of it, but, you know, you can be equitable and say it just slides to the next person or whoever's got the lowest card showing in their discard pile gets yeah. the dealer button next time. They they got the lowest card. They almost certainly failed on their last check. So we're going to give them a little karmic reward and let them go first in the next fight. And they know they're going to go first. Ben, do you have any final thoughts on initiative? <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, th- there are. As many <laughs> He's looking at his giant list. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I have I? many thoughts. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, I'm quickly making sure that I, I've hit everything on the list. That we've hit, yeah, and like, I don't know. I mean, uh, the the trade off of initiative. We kind of touched on this a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, is that the more complex you make your initiative system, the more time you have to spend figuring out your initiative system. Um, my sort of personal take is that character creation or character builds can be as complex as you want them to be, but play at the table needs to be fast. Uh, like try and hide like as much of that complexity, like keep as much of that complexity on the character sheet as you can, but like players should only have to roll like one or two things. But there are as many ways to do initiative as there are game systems. Uh, don't feel constrained to the D&D version of uh, we all roll initiative and then you go and then I go and then they go. Like, yeah, yeah there's it's so the most boring options. one. Yeah, it's simple. It gets the job done. There's mm-hmm. not there's nothing wrong with using it if it's what makes sense yeah. for your game. But there's a lot of other options. That's and my old closing thought. Did it better anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We have no idea what the new version of D&D is going to hold for us. They could be like, no initiative anymore. Everyone just like, you. we're going to decide together. Whoever, via whoever can roll us. their dice and add up numbers faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben, what do you have to plug for us? Uh, so as soon as I actually get around to seeing John Wick 4, I'm going to be <laughs> doing a big update for Murder Ballet with all of the new stuff from that movie. Um and uh so, so keep an eye on that it is it is free because it is super unofficial so <laughs> might as well check it out um i'm also working on a entry for the osr june jam um so just some fun like you know old school D compatible stuff because as much as we love to bash D, 
I still do have a really, really soft spot for it. So yeah. uh, that's what I've got going on. And then uh, I'll be at Gen Con running Nerdburger Games games. So Woo-hoo! that'll be a ton of fun too. So. Uh, thank you for joining us, by the yeah, way. Thank you for having me. It is always so much fun to get to chime in on these. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Joska or on Tumblr at, at Joska or on TikTok at Just is Awful. Um, you can find my games at wannabegames.com or RPG or itch under the same name, Wannabe Games. Um, we, I'm actually currently staring at a bunch of stacks of The Means of Magic. Uh, which I'm really excited about having a physical form of, and that the spine did not drift on my bulk copies like it did on all of my proofs. I'm very happy about that. So backer, <laughs> backers of the Kickstarter are going to start seeing uh, their stuff arrive finally um, in physical form. Uh, I will also be at Origins at the end of this month, uh, Origins Game Fair in Columbus. I will be helping with the IGDN. I will also be running some Moonpunk and the Means of Magic there. So you can come find me if you want to say hello. Uh, at the IGDM booth, which whose number I do not know. I, I will never remember a number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's in row one, halfway back. Yeah, it's as actually fine. Go find Free League Publishing. I think we're across the hall from them, if I remember right. Uh, across the little way. Um, you can also, again, don't forget to submit your questions to uh, Nerdburger Games. Uh, that that's right. You're we're sending them to you, right, Craig? I'm not making that up. Nerdburger Games yep. at, at gmail.com. That's correct. <laughs> and send them with the subject line like episode 100 or RPG R&D question, so we can answer them on our 100th episode in July. Yay! Woo-hoo. Um, and uh, you can find uh, my me at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter. Um, and Dice Camp on Mastodon. The website is Nerdburger Games. Everything's at Drive-Thru RPG. Um, Nerdburger Games is going to be at Gen Con, booth number 2954. We've got 26 game events. Um, a few of them um, are still uh, looking for seats or to, to pick pick up. Uh, you can you can still get a ticket and uh, play some of those games. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is available by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks, Steph Sachs. And thanks, all of you, for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Thanks. Thanks, all of you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. I've probably already started the theme song here. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.